Welcome to part two of our episode discussing integrity in the novel Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. If you haven't listened to the first half of our discussion, please be sure to do so. As always, we hope you enjoy. So then we have all these experiences and then Jane ends up receiving a letter from, I can't remember who it's actually from. I want to, oh, I think Betsy comes to visit, comes to her to say, hey... Miss Bessie's Reed. husband. Bessie's husband. Yes, that's Bessie's right. husband John uh-huh. comes so, and visits to bring her. Yes, yeah. Bessie being the maid, one of the maids in the house uh, in the Reed's house that she grew up in. Jane grew up in, yes. and who she liked, who she likes, <laughs> who she wasn't. She was a little on the nicer side with her. Her husband comes to say, "Hey, just so you know, your aunt's dying, basically, and she wants to talk with you." So she is willing to go. Mr. Rochester is not a fan of the fact that she's leaving, of course. But um, she's like, no, I got to go. I got to do this. And so she goes. And this is such a powerful moment in the book that just showcases her strength so well. And how far she's come. Yes. It's amazing, actually. So amazing. So the biggest thing, well, first of all, she goes in and she sees her two female cousins. Her, the male cousin, part of the reason why her aunt's sick is because the male cousin, the oldest son, ended up committing suicide after gambling away everything, pretty much. And so the aunt is sick from grief in a lot of ways because of that. Um, So the two daughters are there and one of them sneers at her and she says a sneer however whether covert or open had now no longer that power over me at once possessed so she's coming into this knowing she's grown a lot and wanting to prove to herself and to god and to everyone else that she is has grown and that she's different now and so she goes in and meets with Mrs. Reed. She says, Well did I remember Mrs. Reed's face, and I eagerly sought the familiar image. It is a happy thing that time quells the longings of vengeance and hushes the promptings of rage and aversion. I had left this woman in bitterness and hate, and I came back to her now with no other emotion than a sort of ruth for her great sufferings and a strong yearning to forget and forgive all injuries, to be reconciled and clasp hands in amity. It's just so impressive, <laughs> honestly. That integrity of the importance of forgiveness. Like, we, that's one of the first things she learned from Helen was, Jane, you need to learn how to forgive because it's not going to do anything. It's just going to keep hurting you if you're yeah. still this vengeful and bitter. And now she's returning, living that same lesson in a very real way. Um, with this aunt who mistreated her so harshly, who's asked for her, asked to see her in her dying dying days, mm-hmm. I guess, dying weeks. I love, I hadn't thought about this until you were reading that quote and noticed, but um, it's really interesting that she says it's a good thing that time quells that bitterness and desire for vengeance, mm-hmm. however she phrases it, because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Time isn't way. It kind of shows some humility there. Time doesn't get rid of most of those things, especially somebody who you've had an active hatred for. Most of the time, you have to decide to make changes that are going to get rid of that, you know? If she had fostered throughout her childhood that bitterness that she went to Lowood with, I think that she would just hate her aunt. Like, it would have been really easy. A lot of people would have said, I'm not going to see that woman. Like, I don't care if she asked for me on her deathbed. Like, I... I'm not going to her, Uh you know? I really think that's probably what most people would do. I agree. (laughs) So I think it's really humble of her to say that, like, she doesn't even recognize Mm -hmm. how much effort 
she's put in and how much she has done to improve herself. This isn't just a natural Mm. change that's happened. She has made herself into somebody who's able to forgive and move on. And that's just, it's really cool that she just Mm -hmm. doesn't even see that amazing quality in herself. Absolutely. (laughs) And I do think it's interesting though, because she does, I like, it does make it clear that it's not easy for her. Like this isn't an easy moment for her because a little bit, just a couple paragraphs down, She says, um, I felt pain, and then I felt ire, and then I felt a determination to subdue her, to be her mistress in spite both of her nature and her will. My tears had risen, just as in childhood. I ordered them back to their source. I brought a chair to the bedhead. I sat down and leaned over the pillow. So she, in this moment, has this moment where she's about to go back to that pain, and she's like, no, we're not doing that. That's not who I am anymore. Um, and I love, too, that even beyond just going there to be with her and to listen to her, she talks about how in the beginning she had made this vow once to never call her aunt again. Mm-hmm. And she says, I thought it no sin to forget and break that vow now. Oh, I it's love so that good. Line. I know. Yes. So good. She, yes. Yeah. To recognize that's like so godly you know yes. like that just uh-huh. I just think about she knows that God wants her. She's like God is like Jane. That's not a that's not the kind of promise we're gonna keep. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's like, not it. There's some things that God knows is more important than others. Yes. And that's one of those moments of like family and my other children are more important yes. than you your promises. Your promise. Yeah. yeah. And that humility again. Like it takes serious humility to say like this woman has never been an aunt to me, but in her dying moments, I'm going to give her that, you know, even if she's Mm -hmm. not, even if she doesn't reciprocate it, her aunt gives her nothing to encourage her in any of this. And her aunt hasn't changed it. She still has a complete lack of anything good as far as I wish there was some redeeming quality of Mrs. Reed, but I haven't found it. But, uh, but you yeah, know, I would say maybe her love for her children because she clearly cares. That's about true. Them, That's but... a good one. Yeah. Yes. And I guess she does give Jane the letter. So there's that. Eventually. I suppose. She but... eventually gets there. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, just Jane's humility in this scene and her her dis- that again, self-control, that decision to forgive and do what is right because mm-hmm. it's right is just beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And I love, too, that this moment does bring her back to thinking of Helen. Just seeing her aunt die, Mm. she thinks about, you know, what will happen to my aunt's spirit? What's going to happen next for her? And she says, in pondering the great mystery, I thought of Helen Burns, recalled her dying words, her faith, her doctrine of the equality of disembodied souls. So even in that moment, like, instead of thinking, oh, my aunt's so going to hell. She could easily think that, but to her, she's like, you know, Helen would have seen her as another divine soul who's on its own journey and who's yeah. made its own decisions, and it's up to God to decide what happens next. And right. not, it's not my job. My yeah. job is I just to say. be caring and loving. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. And you have to, honestly, there, there's a paragraph here where I actually feel bad for Mrs. Reed. Yeah. And it's... When she, when Jane asks why she hadn't given her the letter, and she says, because I disliked you too fixedly and thoroughly ever to lend a hand in lifting you to prosperity. 
and goes on and on. And, you know, at the end says, I felt fear as if an animal that I had struck or pushed had looked up at me with human eyes and cursed me in a man's voice. And I just, I was like, man, you're terrible, but like, she's pitiable, you Mm -hmm. know, she's like so horrible that you just, you think, how can there be any peace in a life like that? She's experienced no peace. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just so sad, you she know. She held on to that anger that Jane let yes, go of. exactly. And, um, in fact, Jane even says, poor suffering woman, it was too late for her to make now the effort to change her habitual frame of mind. Living she had ever hated me, dying she must hate me still. still. Yeah. Like, she's like, sure, her heart breaks for the fact that her aunt can't change can't bring herself to change and it's a very godly way of looking at it i would say it's looking at it as it's sad that she's not able to do this it's not something to judge her on it's not something to be like oh she's going to hell or oh i hate that she does that or anything like that to jane it's like that's so sad that she can't let go because she has been able to, Jane's been able to let go. Jane so has had she that knows what that relief feels like and yeah. wants that for her aunt. And her aunt just refuses to allow it for herself. Yeah. So then her aunt does pass away. She kind of helps settle everything in with her cousins and stuff. Um, she takes this letter. This letter actually gave her, told her that she had another uncle on the other side of her family, on the air side, that wanted to leave stuff to her and take her in. Um, but Mrs. Reed lied about her being alive. She said that Jane was already dead. And so this uncle left being disappointed. And Jane is basically given this opportunity to write to this uncle and let her know, let him know that she's actually alive. But she decides not to, for now at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes back to Thornfield Hall. And that's why, because she's been happy at Thornfield Hall. And she's more concerned with how that's going to go, basically. <laughs> And so she goes back and we have some conversation rumor about how Mr. Rochester is going to marry Blanche. So she's talking to him about it and talks about, you know, well, you'll probably need to send me away. Can you just give me a heads up for your marriage so that I can find a good position? Because obviously Blanche won't want a governess as young as me around the house, basically with Adele, you're like illegitimate slash possibly not your daughter like your ward <laughs> she's not going to be into that and so they're kind of talking about this and mr rochester's like oh yeah i was i know someone in ireland because he's a stink that's why he's, he says a that. good word <laughs> he's such a stink and, somewhere in ireland to send you yeah and jane's not happy about it she says i grieve to leave thornfield i love thornfield i love it because i had lived in it a full and delightful life i have known you mr rochester and it strikes me with terror and anger so to feel like absolutely must be torn from you forever so she's admitting basically her feelings she's like it's kind of like her last opportunity so she's like okay i'm just gonna be her honest self and say say it it. because she just needs to and then we have to read the most iconic paragraph in all of jane Eyre. okay because already every time you see a quote from jane Eyre, almost always it's from this It's, yeah, this conversation. So he is like, what's wrong, basically? And he's like, what bride? I have no bride. When she's, like, (laughs) talking about this bride. And she's like, but you will have. And he says, yes, I will. I will. He set his teeth. So dramatic. But again, you're seeing this, like, inner turmoil for him coming out so much in this conversation. And I think hope. I don't think he actually, I think he questions whether or not Jane is in love with him and so it's just like wait 
Yeah, I think there's a level of him trying to find out if she yes. actually loves him as much as he loves her. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And she says, um, do you think I can stay to become nothing to you? Do you think I am an automaton, a machine without feelings, and can bear to have my morsel of bread snatched from my lips and my drop of living water dashed from my cup? Do you think because I am poor, obscure, plain, and little, I am soulless and heartless? You think wrong. I have as much soul as you and full as much heart. And if God has give, had gifted me with some beauty and much wealth, I should have made it as hard for you to leave me as it is now for me to leave you. I am not talking to you now through the medium of custom, conventionalities, nor even of mortal flesh. It is my spirit that addresses your spirit, just as if both had passed through the grave and we stood at God's feet equal as we are. Which is so powerful, and it just very much shows her level of integrity of, like, what's important to her is her relationship with God, and what's important to him should be that relationship with God. And in that, as spirits, as spirit children of God, they are equals. And that's all that should matter. And so she's really bringing that to the forefront of, like, this is how it really is. This is the truth of the universe. And that's what's valuable to her, is that connection to divine. And And this is amazing. I think it's kind of funny that there's, like... kind of a drop of blasphemy in it too oh yes yeah (laughs) when she Mm -hmm. says that i can't bear to have my morsel of bread snatched from my lips and my drop of living water dashed from my cup it's like oh is mr rochester your (laughs) your bread and your living water (laughs) interesting maybe not compare him to jesus because he's not that (laughs) but um... i just I think it's in a good way, you know? Yes, like, she doesn't actually no. believe that. Yes. She's just being traumatic still. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the worship, okay. Right. <laughs> and I think part of it, though, too, it could be also just, like, because Christ offers the living water, too. And so, like, the idea of, like, him being that divine joy that is right. offered by God for her is what that's symbolic of, too. Yes. Um, which is just lovely. So and cute. So cute. So <laughs> dramatic. Uh, so melodramatic, but we still love it. Closing me in his arms. Yes. Gathering me to his breast. Pressing so his lips good. on my lips. Oh, oh my gosh. Goodness. The build-up. <laughs> it's so intense. Um, and then, of course, we also have, just along with that, the I am no bird and no net ensnares me. And I am a free human being with an independent will, which I now exert to leave you, which is foreshadowing. Mm. But also, um, it again shows that idea of what's valuable to her is her connection with God. And part of that is free agency. And she use, uses that agency to do what needs to be done. Instead of just pursuing what she thinks will make her happy, yes. she's like, I will make the choice to stand by my principles. And yes. she does that later on as well and exerts that agency in a similar way. Another great paragraph for foreshadowing and integrity um, is just right after where we were reading with the, with the iconic <laughs> speech. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, she continues on and says, we are equal. Um, and she says, yes, so, sir, and yet not so, for you are a married man, or as good as a married man, and wed to one inferior to you, to one with whom you have no sympathy, whom I do not believe you truly love, for I have seen and heard you sneer at her. I would scorn such a union. Therefore, I am better than you. Let me go. And it's kind of foreshadowing to two different events, yes. which I love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Very so well complex. Uh-huh. But yeah, the fact that she 
Like, you know, these principles are so important to her. Not even, you know, we see kind of like eternal and temporal here where, you know, the marriage aspect, she's like, you are, you're betrothed, you know, like you have promised yourself to somebody and I'm not going to get in the way of that. Like Mm -hmm. that would, that's not being respectful. That's not showing that integrity for um, the idea of marriage, which is an eternal principle, but then also just the idea of like being with somebody who you truly love. You know, I kind of, I like that she brings in, it's her, maybe her own sense, you know, like obviously it's like nice to be married to somebody who you truly love, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. like a requirement for it. Right. But the fact that she's like, I could never be with somebody who I see as inferior and would Mm -hmm. sneer at, you know, it's kind of this like, she believes what she believes. She's she's thought it through, and mm-hmm. that's why I don't see it. Because you could turn that into a flaw pretty easily. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I believe this, and that's what I'm sticking to. Yeah. But she's mm-hmm. thought it through. She has that connection and that relationship with God. She's coming at it from from a spiritual standpoint, and she's just saying, like, no, this is this is the right thing, and you're not doing it. She's kind of calling him out on yeah. his lack of mm-hmm. integrity and yes. how he's trying to push that on her. And so, so yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he lacks the integrity that yes, she has. <laughs> he does. And it becomes even more apparent when we get into the next big yes. point. So in this moment, they do end up getting engaged and admitting their love. Yay. And it's so exciting. Until <laughs> so it's exciting. not anymore. Um, when we get to the wedding day and Mr. Rochester is very much in a rush. Like he is acting very strange about the whole situation. Yeah. and But he's always like quirky and weird. So at yeah, the same time, so you're kind of like, like, okay, weirdo he's just having one of his moods (laughs) um but then we get to the church and things start and someone comes in and says i have an objection to make and we discover that the issue is that rochester is already married he actually is married yes he actually is already married beyond that she's still alive and she's been living in the attic this whole time um, so it's not like she's even far away. <laughs> she's literally, Jane's been seeing Jane all these like, weird things happen, her. <laughs> heard her, the fire, there's been all this stuff. Attacks. The, yeah, yeah. Like, she gets her veil torn up in the middle of the night by some <laughs> creepy lady that she sees while she's, like, half asleep. And Rochester's and... like, no, you're insane. You were dreaming. Yeah. Like, you made that whole thing up. And you're like, oh, oh, are you kidding no. me? <laughs> Are you, what are you talking about? The veil is damaged. Anyway, so yes, all of this begins oh to add up gosh. when we discover that there's this woman living sense. in the attic, which that's a whole other conversation <laughs> about ethics and like poor, oh my gosh, I can't even remember her name, Bertha. Bertha. Poor yeah. Bertha, because it oh seems very gosh. much that her insanity starts with her living in a sinful, what would be considered a sinful way. Right. And then it suddenly turns into insanity, which is very questionable. Yeah, if we want to talk Basically, about all that, of that whole thing, <laughs> the whole like racism thing, stuff like that, because yes. she's from the um, West Indies. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, it's a whole other conversation. That would be fascinating to delve into, like, what is actually going yes. on there. But... I know. I would love um, <laughs> that's what White, Sar- White Sargasso Sea is about, is really? about Bertha. Mm hmm. 
Yes, that's the retel- okay. Jane Eyre retelling. That, oh, yes. Okay. I couldn't tell you until you had finished <laughs> because I was like, "Well, I can't tell you what White Sargasso." I was like, is about "What's White Sargasso?" Because... And you're like, mm, um. <laughs> "It's a Jane Eyre retelling, <laughs> sort of ish." But yeah, it's okay. like the lead up. Awesome. Yes. So anyway, anyway, hopefully we'll be able to do that one day okay. and have that conversation. But um, for purposes of this, yes. So yes. she's been living up there. And, of course, Jane is brokenhearted. Um, it's actually kind of very impressive, once again, showing her character when all yeah. of this is happening. She says, but I was collected and in no danger of swooning. She's still yeah. Jane. And even She's Mr. Rochester points it out when he, like, mm-hmm. shows everybody Bertha. He's like, yeah. that is my wife, said he. Such is the sole conjugal embrace I am ever to know. Liar, because he's already had mistresses. But yeah. anyway. Uh-huh. Such are the endearments, which are the solace to my leisure hours. And this is what I wish to have, laying his hand on my shoulder. This young girl who stands so grave and quiet at the mouth of hell, looking collectively at the gambols of a demon. Mm-hmm. It's like, like everybody can see yeah. that she's just like... Here I am. Like, yeah, yep, that's a crazy lady. And Whereas I'm just going to chill here. inside, <laughs> she's just shattered. Yes. Broken. It's almost like through. she oh is just frozen in a lot of ways. Oh, it'd and, be devastating. Yeah. So awful. And I love, though, after she goes to bed and she's just having all these thoughts go through her head about how Mr. Rochester is not the same to her anymore. Um, that she's just really in a lot of pain over the situation but she says one idea only still throbbed lifelike within me a remembrance of god these words one went wandering up and down in my rayless mind as something that should be whispered but no energy was found to express them but not far from me for trouble is near be not far from me excuse me for trouble is near there is none to help and so again her instinct is to go back to god in that relationship that she can trust because that's she's already seen it many many times she's developed it in the hard times and the good times and she knows that that's where she can go yeah Yeah. and so that's where she turns and then we get into volume three which is starting off still the fallout and i do want to really talk about a lot of her thought process and deciding to leave because i just think it shows so beautifully her spiritual maturity because this is the hardest thing she's ever had to go through yeah. like she would argue it's harder even than her childhood with the reeds because yeah. she didn't feel that affection for them ever like yeah. it's not like it oh, was a betrayal sure. yeah. but this is a betrayal to her and something where she wants to stay with him because she loves him so much but she also knows that she can't without committing sins that she doesn't want to commit that yeah. aren't part of her values and principles and it's really like we see it like really really clearly you know they have this mm-hmm. conversation where he's trying really hard Ugh, to manipulate yes. her into staying and he's he's making it tempting mm-hmm. you know like I and feel, she's tempted he knows her so well yes except for the integrity part yes and that and shows she, so clearly here and i love even like oh and at the beginning he asks, will you forgive me and she says reader i forgave him at the moment on the mm-hmm. spot like so at the beginning of this she's already yes. forgiven him for everything And Mm -hmm. then you have, like, halfway through, I don't know exactly where it is, but, like, halfway through, she says, it was so hard to listen to him because I knew what I had to do. And then at the end, he's, like, convinced that she's just going to listen to him. And he's, Mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm not staying with you. Like, she's just, she's so tempted, but also the whole time she just knows, she knows that she can't make that choice Mm -hmm. that goes against 
what yeah. she believes, even yeah. if she the wants relationship to. she values even more. Yeah, than her relationship with him. Yes. And oh, it's like, just it's, it's so painful, but so um, painful, uh, so and inspiring so too. Oh my goodness. Honestly, and I love too. Right after she says, "Reader, I forgave him at the moment and on the very spot." Um, she says, I forgave him all, yet not in words, not outwardly, only at my heart's core. So she knows him very well, too. Yes. And she knows if she says she forgives him, that he'll misunderstand. He, yeah, she gives him no encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is impressive. She's like, I know that if I say I forgive you, then he's going to think that I'm saying, yes, I'll stay with you. Yes. And that's not the same thing. She's like, I forgive you, but I'm not staying here. Right. Like, for she's also... reasons uh, regarding the future, not necessarily right. regarding the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, partially the fa- the past, but like... But I don't want to live yes. the way that you want me to live. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even need her encouragement. Like, yes. <laughs> he's convinced mm-hmm. this entire time. And so, yeah, it's interesting that in this case, it really is the right choice for her to just mm-hmm. not say anything. Because yeah. not... Normally, we want to let people know that we've forgiven them, but even not saying anything, he's like, oh, yeah, she's going to she's just going to stay with me because I want her to, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely. She even says, like, I cleared and steadied my voice to reply. All has changed about me, sir. I must change, too. And I think that probably was misinterpreted in his mind of like, oh, she's going to be willing to work with me on this. Right. But that's not what she's changing. What she's changing is her priorities a little bit and reminding herself of her priorities feelings for him and then changing what she's willing to do her feelings towards herself i think Mm. in a lot of ways are changing or developing i guess right she's coming to understand them better and i love too that there's this moment yeah where he just making it so hard on her and she ends up saying, I did what human beings do instinctively when they are driven to utter extremity, looked for aid to one higher than man. The word God help, words God help me burst involuntary, involuntarily from my lips. Like she's, again, instinctively turning to instinct, God. Yeah. But it's like being pulled out of her because it's such a hard situation. Right. But ultimately she does choose to leave. And in fact, on the way out, she even says... That she reaches for the handle towards his door and then pulls back. Yeah. Like, at the like very when last she's moment. leaving, leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was such a brutal moment. Yeah. I'm going to admit, so I'm much. I'm a weaker person than Jane. Like, I half wanted her to open the door. Like, just do it. I was like, just go in, just say you'll stay with them. I'm like, oh, yes. don't actually, but mm-hmm. like, I kind of want you to. And I also like, though, in this moment where it talks about her changing herself and growing a lot in this moment, we see her grow to where she's not going to take his crap anymore Mm. like for a while now she's just kind of accepted it and just been like whatever um but now like at one point he says i'll read just this whole portion of the conversation because i think it's really powerful in that idea so it says what shall i do jane where turn for your companion and for some hope do as i do trust in god and yourself believe in heaven hope to meet again there then you will not yield no Then you condemn me to live wretched and to die accursed. His voice arose. I advise you to live sinless, and I wish you to die tranquil. Then you snatch love and innocence from me. You fling me back on a lust for a passion, vice for an occupation. Mr. Rochester, I no more assign this fate to you than I grasp grasp at it for myself. We were born to strive and endure. You as well as I do so. You will forget me before I forget you. But she's like very 
firm like don't put what you do on me yeah because your choices are not mine yeah it's like she's you see the stark contrast between them where she has taken these mentors in her life and these good influences and emulated their characteristics to the point where they become part of her mm-hmm. whereas he has taken her and he's saying i need you to be here for me to choose the right thing and mm-hmm. if you're gone then i'm not going to do that and that's that that's that telestial way of living mm-hmm. and thinking you know where it's he's going to do that to have her not because of any love for a relationship with mm-hmm. god you know it's for the wrong reasons and so there's been no change in him i think we actually have a quote okay so in it's a byu speech called becoming men and women of integrity by tad r callister and he tells a story about a missionary yes here it is he says when i first entered the field as a mission president i met several times with a missionary who was struggling with obedience one day in frustration he blurted out what then do you want me to do i replied you have missed the point It is not what I want you to do, but what do you want to do? There was a moment of silence, and then he made this insightful observation. You are not just asking me to change my behavior. You are asking me to change my nature. He was so right. If someone only changes his behavior while a missionary, then when he goes home, he'll be the very same person he was when he left, subject to the same problems that plagued him before. But if someone changes his nature, he will go home a new man with the power and discipline to conquer his old Goliaths. And then he talks about how King Benjamin taught us to change our natures from the natural man to a spiritual man, quoting uh, from the Book of Mormon, for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. And yes, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, I think that that's a great, great comparison here where Rochester is trying to use jane and jane is saying like no you can be good on your own and you can't blame me for your own poor choices Mm -hmm. because he needs to learn to be his own good man because of god and the atonement and himself Mm -hmm. so then she does leave and she (sighs) ends up in a very interesting place yes so she ends up kind of begging for a little bit she uses basically all her money to just get as far away as possible Maybe and then, not actually the smartest choice, yes, but probably not. She's also <laughs> again, she's imperfect. Yes, and she's very, despite her cool, collected manner and dealing with some of these things on the outside, she's very shattered and depressed yes. on the inside. Things are not good, and so it's understandable that she's not thinking fully logically. She's just, and in fact, in a lot of ways, that moment, those moments with Mister Rochester, a lot of it was her just listening to the spirit and doing what it said. Yeah. Basically, she talks about a little voice that's telling her to leave. I loved that, yes. When it's the, yes. the little voice in her head, I was like, ooh, there's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yep, the Holy Ghost, you mean? I read this talk from this last conference called um, Remember What Matters Most by Elder or President Ballard. And it talks about basically what should matter most in our lives. And he talks about how, first, a relationship with our Heavenly Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is most important. This relationship matters most now and in eternity. 
Second, family relationships are among those things that matter most. And he does include found family sort of Mm -hmm. ideas for those who maybe don't have family situations that are very healthy. And later on, he talks about how another thing that matters most is following the promptings of the spirit in our most important relationships and in our efforts to love our neighbors as ourselves, including in our private and public ministries. And I think for her, the best way she could love Mr. Rochester was to leave. Was to let him, give him space to grow and also to keep him from committing sins that she wouldn't want for him. Yeah. And she knows that they can't be together because they are too drawn to each other. For sure. And they, the longer they're together like that, the harder it's going to be. And there's also that kind of avoid all appearance of evil as well. Even if they didn't actually do anything, they, everybody knows they were about to get married. Like, it's kind of a scandal (laughs) for him to marry the governess. Like, a lot of people already know. But this following the spirit, even though it's very hard for her and takes a lot out of her, it ends up leading her to a position she probably would never have imagined for herself, but is actually a much better position for her and so many things happen because of it like it was obviously Mm -hmm. the right plan you know and everything falls in like so many things fall into place that otherwise would never have been able to fall into place and it's awesome absolutely so then like i said she gets away she's begging and she ends up coming to this house of this clergyman in the small town and she ends up meeting the Rivers family. It's a brother and two sisters, um, Sinjin or John. Some people call him in different things, but in general, often Sinjin. And then we have the two daughters. And um, sh- they take her in. She ends up telling them that her name is Jane Elliot instead of Jane Eyre. She, but she, she can't help but be honest because she literally says, yeah, that's not my real name, but I'm not going <laughs> to tell you my real name. <laughs> That part was pretty funny. She just can't help herself. She has to tell the truth. Um, But they're very respectful of it, which is very interesting. In fact, Sinjin actually heard her say, basically, she was leaving her life in God's hands. And that's what made him feel like he could take her inside. Right. Um, At that point, she's kind of like dying on the doorstep. And and he hears her say, like, okay, God, just like, I'm here. Whatever you want to do with me. (laughs) Yep. I'll leave it in your hands. And he's like, well, I don't think God wants you to die yet, basically. He can respect. And once we learn more about Sunjin, it's like, oh, yeah, you know he liked that. You invoked God. (laughs) He's down for that. We're here. We're here for Um, it. Yes. And so I do like it. There's a lot I don't like about Sunjin. But there, I do. There's a moment where, so before he saves Jane, there's the housekeeper who turns her away, mm-hmm. kind of rudely, just assuming the worst of her. Yeah. And he comes in, and she's like, "Oh, I told her to leave. Like, I didn't think she might be dangerous." And he's like, "You know, you did your part in turning her away. And now I'm gonna do my part in yeah. letting her in, and like respecting that his." servant was just trying to protect his sisters for sure which i think is just a, it's a little small thing but i do think it's a sweet very important moment in showing his character of recognizing duty to god basically yeah. and re- recognizing responsibility which is a big yeah. thing with him to an unhealthy level to an unhealthy <laughs> but level we'll get there eventually. but it's okay i also i wanted to throw in kind of as she's leaving i'm gonna jump around a little bit but starting with as she's leaving we were talking about you know following the holy spirit and following promptings and so many things so many good things coming about because of it but i think that it's really important to note that that didn't happen right away you know Mm -hmm. as she's she's leaving and she's struggling not like she's starving 
physically and emotionally and spiritually Mm -hmm. you know she's like struggling in every way right now she says what was i in the midst of my pain of heart and frantic effort of principle i abhorred myself i had no solace from self-approbation none even from Mm self-respect and i just think that that's really interesting that like she has no peace right now even following the spirit even doing what she knew it was right based on the principles that she trusts in to an instinctual level she there's there's no peace for her right now she hates herself she hates everything and she says god must have led me on as to my own will or conscience impassioned grief had trampled one and stifled the other Mm -hmm. like she has she has nothing left really and then we see later what i think is just beautiful she says Worn out with this torture of thought, I rose to my knees. Night was come and her planets were risen. A safe, still night, too serene for the companionship of fear. We know that God is everywhere, but certainly we feel his presence most when his works are on the grandest scale spread before us. Um, And then continues on and then says, His omnipotence, his omnipresence. I had risen to my knees to pray for Mr. Rochester. And I just love, you know, she, I felt the might and strength of God. Sure was I of his efficiency to save what he had made. I just, she just goes on and on about, about trusting in God. And so we have, she's leaving at first and everything is bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's nothing, you know, and then she's able to kind of look at nature and turn back to that relationship that she's developed during times much easier than this and know that God is everywhere and know that God is good despite this really difficult point. And then much later on, then we go back, you know, Sinjin has found her and she's kind of been taken in by the family a little bit. And we see she's kind of talking about like what would have happened if I had agreed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like in her monologuing about what would have happened if she had agreed to live with Mr. Rochester. Because sometimes she kind of wishes that she had, you yeah. know, she misses mm-hmm. him. She says that whether is it better I ask to be a slave in a fool's paradise, paradise at Marseille, fevered with delusive bliss one hour, suffocating with the bitterest tears of remorse and shame the next, or to be a village schoolmistress, free and honest, in a breezy mountain nook in the healthy heart of England. Yes, I feel now that I was right when I adhered to principle and law and scorned and crushed the insane promptings of a frenzied moment. God directed me to a correct choice. I thank his providence for the guidance. And I just, I love kind of this transition, you know, it's this like, I hate everything and everything sucks. I hate myself and the world is bad to like, things are really hard and I'm struggling a lot, but God is good. And I know it too. Like, yes, like I, I'm, things have been bad, but I know that all of this is right and that things are turning out the way that they were supposed to. You can kind of see this transition from a lack of peace to moving towards more peace. And then as we move into the further plot points, we'll see this like God uses this to turn it into a perfect piece and she's more thrilled than she ever could have been, you know? And so I just, I love that kind of overarching transition and recognizing that following the spirit isn't always easy in the moment or after. (laughs) Sometimes it Mm -hmm. takes time to kind of see those, those benefits. And that is okay. As long as we still rely on that, relationship and remember that God is everywhere and he is good and things are going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's very true. 
So then, yes, they spend a lot of time together. Sinjin is a little funky. <laughs> also he, a weird guy. Yes, he's also a weird guy in a different way. In the opposite way, yes, actually. Really the opposite <laughs> way. Like, he's very serious and yes. no emotions. And I hesitate to just, say overly pious, but, yeah. you know. In a way, beyond <laughs> the mark. A little pharisaical. Yes, yes pharisaical. Yes. There's a good mm-hmm. word. Yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah, he's acted a little weird, but at one point he rips off a piece of one of her paintings like a jerk <laughs> and doesn't tell anything. Honestly, her anything. I didn't even think anything of You're it, like, though. That's the really? crazy. They're so you good at making like, their guys what? so weird. <laughs> that you're just like, okay. I mean, like, obviously I was like, okay, something's going on, but I was like, who even freaking knows? Maybe he thought her paper was weird or something. (laughs) He liked that color. He wanted it for his house. He's just so odd. Yeah. No, I did wonder if it gave her identity away. I I did think that. I was trying to figure out how. I was like, how is like the type of paper she has going to... I didn't figure it out, but I did have my suspicion. Obviously, she would have signed it. She signed it, Which is kind of surprising she doesn't realize that. That's that's true. It's it's kind of a dumb moment for her, but but that's okay. It's fine. Um, So anyway, so he finds out that she's Jane Eyre, and he discovers, so the uncle that she never met did pass away, and it's actually their uncle as well. Um, I know, wild. (laughs) They're related. She just so happened on their, just so happened, quote unquote, on their house. Yes, and it's on his mother's side is how they're related and so but she inherited everything from this uncle they these cousins didn't get anything they got stuff from their father who squandered his money on a tip from the uncle so there's a little bit of bad feelings there the uncle just to note did find out that jane was alive Mm -hmm. and that's actually why Uh the marriage was objected to the uncle sent a lawyer to object to the marriage of him Uh of Jane and Rochester Mm -hmm. and so yeah because previously the uncle thought she was dead which is why she didn't get everything Uh but now she does so she (laughs) finds out about all that and yeah finds out that she's inherited I think it was 20,000 pounds which is a lot at that time and so but her first instinct is to divide it with her cousins like she's so excited about the fact that she has cousins she even says well Sinjin is like why are you so excited about that like come on and she's like it may be of no moment to you you have sisters and don't care for a cousin but I had nobody and now three relations or two if you don't choose to be counted (laughs) Wait, so I love I love Senjin's reaction because he tells her that she has twenty thousand pounds and he's kinda like she's like, um, okay, that feels fake, but all right, I guess. And then he's like, Oh, and we're related and she's like, Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad He's like He's like, um, you what? Yes. That's what you're excited about? Not the fact that I just told you you inherited twenty thousand pounds. I just love her priorities though. I just like she just she's just got it right, man. Like going back to that first most important is your relationship with God. Second is with family. Yes, she just has that. She just recognizes it. Mm -hmm. Because she's gone so long without it that she when she's found it, she's like, No, that means that's what matters. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I don't need all this so, money. Yeah, she's like, what am I going to do with this? So she ends up dividing it up between the four of them. So they each get 5,000 pounds, which is still a lot for mm. that day, especially for women to have yeah. for themselves. So very exciting, sweet moment. And then after that, Sinjin is pretty impressed by it. Like, even though he's weirded out by it, he's also impressed by it. And so it makes him think. 
He's impressed by lots of things about yes. her. Yes. Um, and, and so he, he decides, <laughs> I'm going to propose to her. Um, not because he loves her. Cue He's, the moment yes. when I shoved my face into the cushions of the couch. <laughs> and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> How did this book just get weirder? Oh, gosh. Yes. And, yeah, she... So he invites her to go to India with him. But yes. he says... You have to be my wife to do it because that's the only appropriate way to do it. Which I mean is true. Yes, <laughs> he has valid points. Yes, and I think I think she has valid points too with it. Like I think they could be like, oh, we're like brother and sister. Yeah, there they could, could argue still be a some question, but like for the most part, you could find a way around it. Right, and um, he's like, everybody knows we're not siblings, and I'm like, not in India, they don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in India, they don't know. Although I guess th- it's. Your reputa- reputation is very important. So even yeah. if it's just back home, back like, home it could ruin know. his sister's That's reputation. True. Things like that. Yeah, so if people start talking like, to... oh yeah, their brother ran off with a girl to India. Yeah, their cousin. Like, yeah. yeah. So, because back then, the cousin thing wouldn't have been totally open. Like, yeah. that was okay, but... Not gonna... For a, for a minute, I really thought that's where this was going. I really, like... I really thought like, that's where this mm, was going. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, actually, from the moment... When, because first she goes to the parish mm-hmm. where he works and they say, oh yeah, he's gone because his dad just died. And so he went back home. Oh, right? right. And mm-hmm. I actually, she asks if there's a mistress of the house and the housekeeper says no. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to marry this person. Isn't she? <laughs> like, I literally that thought that. So That's then so when funny. she met John and he was young and attractive, I was like, no. no and then it turned out they were cousins and i was like that's still fine actually yeah <laughs> like it this took, is the victorian era it literally took until he was like so freakishly weird during the proposal yeah. that i was like oh yeah no that's not Absolutely gonna work not. <laughs> i was convinced for a long time that's where this book was going mm-hmm. and i like <laughs> yeah so then she, her response to him is i scorn your idea of love i could not help saying as i rose up and stood before him leaning my back against the rock I scorn the counterfeit sentiment you offer. Yes, Sinjin, and I scorn you when you offer it. So again, sticking to her values and principles. I love that she says leaning my back against the rock. I did not realize that until I just read it. Yeah, but the rock of our salvation being Christ, she's leaning against those principles. And she's like, no, I'm not going to take what you offer because it's not right the way you're offering it. Um, and it's and a direct reference like earlier we talked about it when she says when she's telling rochester you are gonna marry somebody who i do not believe you truly love i would scorn such a union therefore mm-hmm. i am better than you and then right here she says i scorn yes. your idea of love she's so like i'm not gonna do it yeah she says mm-hmm. nope this is exactly what he was doing and i am not gonna do it i scorn it but i love that yes. leaning against the uh-huh. rock of our salvation yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. upholding her she's... principles that way and i mean you can argue like is this really like a spiritual principle but i think it is because i think it comes down to he's not looking at this marital relationship in the right light because it's good to want to do good but that's like he's treating it as like we're gonna work for each other or something like it's It's so weird entirely dutiful which without being dutiful to her Yes. Like it's about their duty together to other people, but it's has nothing to do with 
her being his first priority, which she should be. Yeah. Like he, she would and then, not like, be. And when they brought children into the world, you know, we're, we're taught that we're yeah. supposed to raise children with love. Mm-hmm. Children need love and nurturing. And he just wouldn't really have that to provide, yeah. you know, he would not, and, and he wouldn't be an example of cleaving to a spouse. You know, the scriptures do imply a level of love and mm-hmm. affection and adoration to yeah. a spouse, even if it's not like, you know, you have to be yeah. passionately yeah, and deeply in love with them every second. Passionate style love. Yeah. In fact, that's impossible to maintain. maintain yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there has to be affection yes. in a, to a certain mm-hmm. extent, and he just doesn't feel in respect. And yeah, a love that goes beyond like if it comes down to a choice between this other person and you, like I, I need to choose you every time right. because you're the one right. I chose. Yes. And for him, it's not, it's more like he wants to be able to tell her what to do. Right. Like you'd be really to... convenient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's romantic. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And I'll pass. <laughs> she even goes so far. There's a point she, he tries again. And then the second time it's even <laughs> so worse. Determined. But like for her, like she's starting to be worn down a little bit. Um, And she yeah, goes as far as to say, by him too. were I but convinced that it is God's will that i should marry you i would i could vow to marry you here and now come afterwards what would so she kind of says like she'd be willing to which is a step further than she's been it's showing that he's being very very persuasive and i think she's just so lost and just wants a home so bad right that like he's not being very caring and offering her the home that she wants and so she's starting to be willing to accept the one that he is offering until she hears Mr. Rochester's <gasps> voice through their spirits, yes, we can assume, connect. yelling her name, Jane, Jane, Jane. And that's what pulls her back. So romantic yes, and gothic. So we love it. <laughs> um, and I think so, though, go ahead. I think John is also, I think he's also appealing to this spiritual side of her because she mm-hmm. is extremely yeah. spiritual mm-hmm. and pious and yeah. mr rochester is not. not like mm-hmm. and i think that she would genuinely be missing that from him mm-hmm. you know i know when i've been with people or just even liked people you know there's certain things where you're like mm, i wish you had that but like i guess i can sacrifice that one thing yeah. for all these other things mm-hmm. you know and I think that's definitely something that she's sacrificed in loving mm-hmm. Mr. Rochester. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so I think that that genuinely does appeal to her, the idea of being with such a greatly pious man, because she speaks with him mm-hmm. with intense adoration for that side of him, right? And And the idea of how much she could grow with him and how much she could learn with him and how much good she could do with him for God. I think that there is a level of... Like, she really would, that would be a fulfilling life to her. It's just, it's those principles, you know, it's Mm -hmm. those inherent principles that she has about marriage and love, and it doesn't work with them. So she's tempted very similarly to the way she's tempted with Mr. Rochester, but it's still not right (laughs) in in following what she believes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then we end up leaving um jane decides to run and find mr rochester because of this um spiritual experience she had and um she finds out she goes and thornfield hall has burnt down which is so tragic stressful um seriously and you find out from a nearby farmer or something that comes and talks to jane that basically what happened was that bertha the wife burnt down the building 
And then she ended up, Mr. Rochester tried to save her. He got everybody else out and then tried to save Bertha, but Bertha ended up jumping off the roof. So Bertha's gone. Wow. I know. How convenient. So convenient. And terrible. (laughs) Sometimes God's plan involves tragedy. You know? She had more life to live afterwards, so she's all right. So true. But a better life to yes. live afterwards, let's be honest. Yes. Better away from Mr. Rochester. Yes. Good for her. <laughs> um, so she also learns that he has gone blind. So during this experience, the heat or the smoke or something made he had, him he had something. He had some things drop on him, too. Okay, that's And he right. lost his hand mm-hmm. as well. Oh, that's right. His hand also. She ends up deciding to surprise him. It's so cute actually he gets so so excited when he hears her voice and he's like are you a ghost like she comes in just saying hey here's your like bringing in his water that you ordered Uh, and he's like is that jane Eyre's voice um which is so cute that he just immediately recognizes after all this time it's been months like probably a year at this point and he still remembers her voice she tells him that she'll never leave him again and it's so cute and we end up seeing first of all he's we see a little more humility from him where he used to kind of tease her and it was very much a power dynamic like he was in a position where she relied on him for her livelihood and she was younger and he was like oh i'm more experienced and so there was definitely this power where he a power dynamic where he was definitely in power over her and money he was paying Mm -hmm. her and now she's independent Mm -hmm. so now she's independent um now he is in a position where he needs her help Mm -hmm. um to live he gives a little bit more like compliments to her like beyond just like oh you're so flirty and stuff like he kind of teasing her before or the fake stuff when they were engaged that she we didn't really talk about that but he starts being like my darling my beautiful love and she's like ew gross like stop stop. you're lying to me and i don't like it (laughs) yep exactly not for me but she talks about like where she's been and stuff and he talks about oh i know they would be clever for you are a talented creature her ideas would be clever because she's a talented creature and he says some of your accomplishments are not ordinary like he's being very a lot more genuine in his compliments towards her um which shows a great humility in him um he does have a moment of being jealous hearing her talk about oh my gosh so funny funny. and she draws it out for so long She's like, this is great because she had to suffer that for ages with Blanche. Yes. So she's like, payback. When she's just like, oh yeah, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> and he's right. like, no, you're messing with me. Yeah. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> no, he's like, like, I get it. I understand. <laughs> he describes himself as a ruin, like the chestnut tree that got struck by lightning mm-hmm. after they got engaged, which was also just a beautiful little symbolic image at the time. But she says, you are no ruin, sir, no lightning struck tree. You are green and vigorous. Plants will grow about your roots, whether you ask them or not, because they take delight in your be- bountiful shadow. And as they grow, they will lean towards you and wind round you because your strength offers them to so safe a prop. Which is just so sweet because I think she's starting to see in him that he's coming out of that bitterness and anger Mm -hmm. that he's been in and getting into a place where he can provide that care and love that he's been withholding because he's been so bitter and vengeful and angry like she used to be as a child. So yes, they end up getting engaged. Um, I did want to mention, though, they 
continue talking about everything that's happened since. And he says, Jane, you think me, I dare say, an irreligious dog, but my heart swells with gratitude to the beneficent God of this earth just now. He sees not as man sees, but far clearer, judges not as man judges, but far more wisely. I did wrong. I would have sullied my innocent flower, breathed guilt on its purity. The omnipotent snatched it from me. So he's realizing why she had to leave, and he's glad that she did, because he's like, I would hate to have damaged you that way when you didn't deserve that, and God knew that you didn't deserve that. So I'm grateful to God that he did that, because it was for the best. Yeah, it gave him that time, that chance to reflect the way that she had, you know, Mm -hmm. that she has kind of done her entire life. He was finally like, okay, now I'm going to, instead of just focusing on outward pleasures, I'm going to actually reflect, which I love shows kind of a really pure love for Jane, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that he didn't just kind of jump back into having some mistress or doing something like that, because that would have kind of showed like, well... So I guess he did forget about her pretty fast, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas instead it was like, I can't do anything else. So I'm going to think about these lessons that she taught me and grow closer to God through her. And that's, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that taking mentors and influences in our lives and emulating them until it becomes ourselves. Right. He finally, he took that lesson from her and, and did it himself, which Mm -hmm. is just awesome. Amazing. Starting to deserve her a little bit more. Exactly. I was going to say he's more ready for her (sighs) a little bit than he was before. He then goes on to say too, with that only, only of late, I began to see and acknowledge the hand of God in my doom. I began to experience remorse, repentance, the wish for reconcilement to my maker. So beyond even just being grateful to God for what happened, he actually desires to have a relationship with God, which is such a key starting point. And I think it's a situation that shows that a relationship can work as long as you're both pointed in the right direction. You know, like if you're both pointed towards developing a relationship with God, even if you're on slightly different points in that journey, you can help each other because you're just both more prepared to do so because you have the same desires in life, the same goals. So after this long adventure, we are reaching (laughs) the end. Reader, she married him. Reader, I married him. We get the wrap up of everybody's journeys. And for some odd reason, (laughs) it decides, Charlotte Bronte decides to end us with Sinjin. If you have thoughts on that and uh, theories and opinions, feel free to leave them in any, you know, comments or whatever, you know, how email them to us. We're intrigued to hear Mm -hmm. what you have to say about that. Absolutely. (laughs) I do, based on our discussion and thoughts about integrity, I have a theory about it. If that's a theme that Charlotte Bronte was going for, which I think based on our conversation, we can probably assume that on some level it was that she was trying to build up this idea of integrity. She talks about Sinjin. And I think it's interesting because Jane's not mad at Sinjin. Jane doesn't think less of Sinjin. She actually respects him because he values doing what God asks him to do. And that's what she values too. And even though they were taken on different paths, she respects that that's what he's trying to do. Yeah, She gets his last letter, what she believes is probably his last letter from India. And he believes he's about to die. And she says, I know that a stranger's hand will write to me next to say that the good and faithful servant has been called at length into the joy of his Lord. And why weep for this? No fear of death will darken Sinjin's last hour. His mind will be unclouded. His heart will be undaunted. His hope will be sure. His faith steadfast. And I think in 
all of that, she's actually talking about herself. Hmm. Like, I think it ends with this discussion of Sinjin because Sinjin is, like, the spiritual side of her. Yeah. The spiritual side of her without any emotion. But it's something that she values a lot, something that she was attracted to him on some level in regards to his spirituality. And so I think it's wrapping up focused on Sinjin because he's in a very obviously spiritual place. But it's still the same feeling for her. Like, she's still in a place that's also where she feels like she belongs this is where god needs her to be and that is wonderful to her and so she knows that when she passes away it's going to be in a place where she's not afraid and she's ready because she's been able to do what god asked her to do and so i think ultimately it actually is about her but just by nature of what she's trying to explore within herself sinjin's a little bit more of a personified version of that A little bit easier to go on a religious tangent. <laughs> yes, exactly. When you're talking about Sinjin than when you're talking about her marrying the love of her life, yeah. you know? And so I think it's okay. her comparing herself to him. Like and it. that she's very pleased with where she's ended up. Like, things haven't been perfect, but she feels that she's done what she wanted to do. And she's treasured those relationships she wanted to treasure. And that was the most important thing to her. Yeah. Great. Okay. Anything else? Nope. I think I'm just going to end, as usual, with a scripture. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to go to, in the Book of Mormon, Alma, chapter 53, verses 20. This is talking about the stripling warriors and their courage to fight for their people, even though they're very young. And it says, And they were all young men, and they were exceedingly valiant for courage and also for strength and activity. But behold, this was not all. They were men who were true at all times in whatsoever thing they were entrusted. And I think that's really the ultimate outcome and desired outcome of having integrity is that we can be trusted with what God wants to trust us with. And I think Jane ended up being like, I think it's a situation of the worth of souls is great. Like even if she did, all she did was help Mr. Rochester find his relationship with God. That's all God really wants. Like that's perfectly good, well-lived life. And so I think that Jane is the type of person, because of her integrity, that God can entrust her with things. And as we seek to develop integrity, then God can trust us with things as well. Going to be different for all of us, different at different times in our Mm -hmm. lives, but whatever it is. Yes, (laughs) we, and it will be a delightful journey no matter what. Okay, so... Thank you so much for watching, listening, full of things. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube if you watch us there or subscribe actually also as a podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, anywhere. That, that exists <laughs> anywhere as well. Anywhere you watch or listen, um, subscribe. Yes. Be sure to like on YouTube and then give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast channels you listen to because that would very much help us out. Um, also follow us on Instagram. We post things regularly on there about what we're doing, um, what our next episodes will be, what episodes go up, things like that, and just have a lot of fun on there. So definitely check us out there. It's just God in All Things podcast is what yes, we ended up doing. God in All Things podcast. God in All Things podcast. And then also, if you're interested in seeing just what I'm reading, I have a <laughs> YouTube channel, Good Strong Words, where you can just see in general what I'm reading. I don't tie it in as much to the spiritual side of things there. But yes. if you're just curious on my thoughts on books, you can check it out there. So that is it for us. Thank you again for watching. Keep remembering to see God in all things. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.